we did a, a Kubernetes upgrade like around March, end of March. Uh, so since March, we have uh, planned uh, unplanned outage zero percent. So we're hundred uh, percent SLA since since we've done this. Uh, our performance improved considerably. Uh, our costs went down, and, and uh, the deploys got automated. So that means you know now DevOps presses a button and that's the deploy. So so we had to do multiple steps on uh, any deploy, and sometimes you know something would fail to deploy because there was some error that uh, we weren't aware of. Uh, you know that sometimes you test everything in in dev environment, QA environment, and in production for some reason doesn't work so uh that hasn't happened anymore so that that that's those are several benefits but i would say performance for for the agent things load a hell lot faster uh cost wise too because kubernetes can can uh, be configured in our rz's to self-grow and self-contract based on you know usage uh that we can you know during weekends for example where number of access considerably lower we can uh, the, the system can actually shrink a little bit cutting our costs so we only pay for what we use now welcome to the all things ops podcast on this show we interview leaders in it operations devops and ai ops about the ever-changing world of running an organization's technology with our guests we dive into things like what does it mean to run large-scale it infrastructures how do you manage globally distributed operations what are the complexities of hybrid it how can you best leverage automation? And last, but definitely not least, how do you keep an eye on things using monitoring and observability? This podcast is produced by CheckMK, the software of choice when it comes to monitoring business critical IT systems. In today's episode, we're doing something special. Instead of me, your usual host, this episode is hosted by my dear colleague, Dallary Gonzalez, who joined our team in Atlanta at the beginning of 2023. Enjoy this very special episode with our guest host, Dallary. Welcome, everybody, to the All Things Ops podcast. I'm Dallary. I'm the guest host here at CheckMK. Today, I have David. David is the VP of DevOps and BI at Fathom Holdings. He has over 20 years of experience in product management, product management and development. David, it's great to have you here on the All Things Ops podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Dallary. I'm, I'm very flattered to be here and to, to be chosen to speak. Uh, I'm relatively new to DevOps. I've been doing it for a little over two years and uh, with good success so far. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you are the VP of DevOps and you have a background in product management. Can you give us a quick um, quick synopsis of how you got here today? So uh, I started a business process management company in, in technology and I climbed there. I worked for 12 years from being a, a product implementator or developer, um, all the way to you know support engineering, product management, product marketing, and I became director of product management. Um, so that gave me a really good understanding of how technology really interacts with the different businesses. I had like over a hundred uh, customers there in, in my times and from every single industry that you can possibly think, banking, education, government, uh, manufacturing. So uh, I think when I left there, for me, it was very easy to reverse engineer co company processes and, and see where we can really be effective with technology. 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Effectiveness in technology is what everybody is looking for. And kind of on that realm, Fathom Holdings is one of the companies within that is Fathom Realty. And something that kind of caught my eye, having a slight background in real estate as well, is that you guys are a cloud-based brokerage. What does that mean um, for the real estate industry? Or even what does that mean for Fathom Realty and the future of what real estate looks like? So, so uh, we consider ourselves a, like a full commission uh, brokerage. So the, what does that mean? In a traditional brokerage, an agent has to pay about half of what the commission would be to the, the flagship company. Mm-hmm. For us, they play, pay a nominal fee per transaction up to a certain number of transactions that that fee even gets smaller. And they pay uh, an annual fee, which is really a membership for us to maintain their their uh, license. Yeah. And since they have all their... Um- since they have their home base, I guess, uh, remotely, right? Cloud, do they have an office to go to? Do they just maintain their home offices? What does this look like? Most of them uh, were, were already remote, uh, uh, right? So some of them may choose to have an office or may choose to have a team office, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't require that of them. They can Got work it. from home and be completely independent so they don't have that cost and, and o- overhead, right? At the end of the day, the agents want to take home more money to take care of their family, and that's what we provide for them. Uh, while we try to keep our service level and technologies, uh, uh, you know, new and fresh, and uh, that can actually get things done for them. And was this a pre-COVID thing or a post-COVID thing? We all know this post-COVID is- hybrid work is the way. Pre or so, post? So it was pre-COVID. And the company started in two thousand and nine. As way mm-hmm. before I came came aboard uh, with those premises, right? The technology is already good enough then to have a completely uh, remote business and, and you know act as a, as an agent. I mean, agents many times they're on the road a lot, yep. so you know <laughs> why do you force them to have an office that they're going to spend what ten twenty percent of their time right. at best? And, and so uh, we thought it that way. Yep. Yep. And with with tools like DocuSign and whatnot, I mean, way back when, when I used to be in, in, in real estate, everyone was only in the office just for the printer. And now with DocuSign, and you don't even need a printer anymore. Co- correct. We barely ever print anything. Yeah, that's You're absolutely right. That's awesome. Well, kind of on this same subject, you know, I could take a guess on-prem versus uh, cloud-based, I assume the name gives it away. You guys are cloud-based brokerage. It's not a small task. And I know a lot of companies in the industry are moving more and more of their infrastructure into the cloud. You mentioned it. You've done this before the trend. What are some of the experiences? Like, What was your experience with that transition? And what are the challenges that you guys faced? So I I worked for a company before this one that had had, had, uh, kind of a mixed mode, uh, kept uh, um, operations both on the cloud and and in-house and uh, you know i have to tell you cloud is much easier yeah because when you when you have like oh i have to go to the data center to do something with a server i mean we can do everything from our desk right now right Mm -hmm. with with cloud um fathom because it was really small when we, we started this um in terms of number number of employees not number of agents um we went directly to the cloud uh, and used a traditional um, cloud structure, mm-hmm. uh, distributed cloud structure. And uh, uh, so, so my job was really to bring it to the next level. So it was already on on, on the cloud. Yeah. 
as, as I started. And so a lot of companies or some people I've spoken with, the biggest reasons why they don't go to cloud or uh, maybe one of the factors leadership doesn't move it to cloud is because of the cost, right? Something in the cloud, it can get expensive. And how do you control that? How did you present that to your team or how do you keep that cost minimal? So cost is something that you got to watch the entire time. It's kind of like making sure you lock your, your home every time you leave. <laughs> uh, uh, you have to keep an eye on, on it because uh, cloud costs can really skyrocket. Mm-hmm. People from your team many times or development team many times are unaware that some some action they take in the system can just really skyrocket the cost. So that's part of my job and I, I, I do a, a weekly uh, o- overview of, of our costs and try to say, hey, I see, you know, that last week our costs doubled on this this little thing here. Why is that? And I said, oh, no, we're just testing something because we're going to migrate to a different version. So we needed to have like an extra environment last week. Okay, let's ma- make sure, you know, as soon as you're done, <laughs> turn it off. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and do you have, this may be a silly question, but do you have um, tools to help to to help monitor this or is this something just good old fashioned way you audit and uh, watch the cost that way? Uh, it, it depends on the platform. Some platforms do, do, do allow you to add alerts on when mm-hmm. your, your cost is passing a certain threshold. But in general, I just have to keep an eye on things. Nice. Uh, it's kind of like monitoring systems, really. You, you know, you keep monitoring your system. You also have to monitor the, the, the cost. Yeah. And with your cloud being 100% in the, in the, with your infrastructure being 100% in the cloud, um, what are some of the benefits that you experienced with your team? And what are some of the benefits that you experienced with your team that you were able to pass down to maybe the real estate agents that don't really understand the tech that's going behind, um, behind the scenes, right? So how do they see the benefits? So, so this, so, so the benefits in, in uh, many different ways. So we, we did a, a Kubernetes upgrade like around March, end of March. Mm-hmm. Uh, so since March, we have uh, planned, uh, unplanned outage 0%. So we're 100% uh, SLA since, since we've done this. Uh, our performance improved considerably. Uh, our costs went down. Um, and and uh, the deploys got automated. Mm-hmm. So, so that means, you know, now DevOps presses a button and, and that's that's the deploy. Yeah. So we had to do multiple steps on on, on uh, any deploy. And sometimes, you know, something would fail to deploy because there was some error that uh, we weren't aware of. Uh, you know that sometimes you test everything in, in dev environment, QA environment, and in production for some reason doesn't work so yep. <laughs> uh, that hasn't happened anymore so that, right that's those are se- several benefits but i would say performance for for the agent things load a hell lot faster right uh, cost wise too because kubernetes can can uh, be configured in our rz's to self-grow and self-contract based on you know usage mm-hmm. uh that we can you know during weekends for example or number of access considerably lower we can the, the system can actually shrink a little bit mm-hmm. cutting our cost so we only pay for what we use now nice and you guys have your own product um intella agent and that is what a lot of your agents use or the platform correct that they do their day-to-day yeah. operations on 
that, that is correct. So in, in IntelliAgent consists of really two fronts of product. One is a transaction management product. That's the one I used to run before I moved to DevOps. And um, the other one is the CRM product, which basically allows them to do their marketing campaigns and reach out to their customers and, and things like that, have a website. Mm-hmm. Um, so so th- th- those are the two arms, yeah. Awesome. So with 100% uptime, I mean, doesn't matter what industry you're in, doesn't matter, you know, what um, company you're providing the the technology for, um, there's always business critical, uh, how do I say this, business critical processes, systems that 100% uptime is not only key for you and and your sanity and your team, correct? So you don't have those 6am, 2am fire drills, but also for like you said, the agents to continue putting food on the table and closing deals. How do you maintain 100% uptime? It's the golden goose. It's what everyone's trying to crack the code and your team has done it. How how does this happen? Right. So, so that, that's a partnership between us and the development teams too. I mean, uh, you know, over the years, we, we know like Mondays are typically really high throughput in the system. That mm-hmm. means a lot of agents went and sold the house on the weekends and they file paperwork and we have to process a lot. So there are, our queue on Monday is really big. So, you know, historically, if you are inserting new code on a Monday morning, if there's a problem, it's going to be a huge one. So yep. our, our lesson was don't deploy on Mondays. Yeah. <laughs> S- same thing with Fridays. Well, my team, we deployed Fridays and we had to work on weekends many times. Right. And so, you know, I have to keep my employees too. So yep. that's, that's, that's part of my job is to make sure my, my employees are happy. So, you know, no, don't deploy on Friday. Unless there's a system down scenario, we can uh, agree not to do those those two days, right? And, yep. and uh, uh, we try to do as many planned things as, as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but you know like like every software there's bugs and there's hot fixes and there's there's business needs that require sometimes things to be done. Yeah. But th- those days which typically say we'll do it on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes sometimes the most uh, the most needed answers right are, are just simple solutions right. Let's not do it on Monday. Let's do it on Friday. And how this has alleviated so many of your problems just by these small fixes. Yeah, I think it, it avoided the, the huge fires, right? So, so uh, I always said I worked at the office m- many days. I still do, and uh, uh, my office is sort of uh, uh, separated from the the operations side mm-hmm. of of the things of things. Is the brokerage operations, but I walk there all the time to go talk to people. Yeah. And uh, w- when I walk in and it's noisy on the floor, that means the people who who tend to the agents who call, mm-hmm. if they're talking loud or they're talking to each other or standing, that I, I already know there's a fire. Or there's a fro- fire to to be dealt with. You smell it. You smell the I, smoldering I from. I do, and, and that's from <laughs> being being in product management and product development from for so, such a long time. You kind of uh, developed uh, an instinct for things to look at. Yeah. Well, and. So you have you have a background in product development. You also um, we haven't brought this up. You also have an extensive background playing, teaching, and and being around the game of soccer. Do you feel like your coaching and this experience has also helped guide your team to one hundred percent uptime, or guide them through a lot of these transitions that you're working through, through on prem to cloud to now the Kubernetes migration? 
Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, sports taught me so so many things. You know, from from being consistent uh, in, in what you do. Uh, to before you try something on a game, you try it by yourself. Then you try it in training, and you see if it works, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's sort so, sort of what we do. Um, besides, besides, different from product. Think, think product. If if you release a new feature. Uh, the, the 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 production is going to be your, your your testing field, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can have pilot uh, pilot groups and things like that, which is um, I was always very big on on soft releases uh, when I was uh, uh, in in product management. So that means you know you have a feature flag and you're going to turn it on for some users mm-hmm. who are your friendly users. They're going to give you feedback. Does this work? Does this not work? What else do we need to change here? Uh, and uh, what can we do to improve? Right. Mm-hmm. So, so you have this partnership with a, with a, a people in different areas. We we do that at Fathom, I think, a, a lot in regional uh, divisions. We t- turn it on for someone you know who's friendly and understands th- this process of, of feedback. Instead of release ev- to everyone, and then people don't like it, then you got a ten time fold problem, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and now you have no way to turn back. So, so you know, so I think I think soft releasing is uh, is key. And uh, DevOps, sort of by design, we can do everything multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can just create an, an environment to do it, uh, perform, document, create your playbook. When, when we did the, the Kubernetes migration, it was like that. We had done that, you know, dozens of times. I think right. uh, the, the whole process took 10 months for us to learn. Mm-hmm. And there was, there were a lot of little things to look at, especially cost, right? There, there were triggers that could have made this thing a complete nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we, we kept an eye on those uh, as, as things went and, uh, and, and learned, learned from those on a much smaller scale than being in production, right? But by the time we were ready to go, uh, all we knew, Basically, we didn't even need to look at the playbook because we knew it by heart what you do. <laughs> you practice it so many times. Yeah, my my team, my 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 uh, lead engineer Vinicius is just just an amazing person, very young, um, but just every day comes and learns something. Uh, and uh, as I said, he owns he owns his mistakes every time. Uh, and, right. You know that that you can't ask for, for more from a person. Definitely. Well. Speaking of the younger generation, I have a, a, a strange question, I guess. You as the VP at, at at Fathom Holdings, what would you say to your younger self who just started in product management? Is is there tips and tricks you've learned along the way or something that you're like, oh, if I could tell my younger self this, um, what do you think you've unlocked during your career? Read I have a lot more about yeah. how to communicate with people. Because <laughs> you, you naturally get better at it as you get older. Definitely. Uh, but you know, I could have saved myself a lot of grief <laughs> earlier. Uh, I, I would say so. Uh, learn to communicate better, right? Uh, look people in the eye because uh, at the end of the day, you're there to help them mm-hmm. uh, and help the business. So uh, make sure they understand there that they are there. You're there for them and not for yourself. Yeah. Definitely. And, and you have younger, the younger generation on your team. How do you, how do you promote that communication or how are you teaching that younger generation? I know in a previous conversation, you and I spoke that, um, 
it's important for the younger generation to get into DevOps to kind of push it to the next level. How do we get them in there younger and how do we um, promote the communication in this younger generation? So uh, I would say communication um, has two parts from it. Uh, One's from me. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I have to harness that. that. So, uh, you know, when I have a meeting, I make sure everybody speaks Mm -hmm. uh, and not have one dominant person taking the the entire meeting. And that means me too. Uh, I I tend to go on and on sometimes. (laughs) Same. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) But, you know, make sure everybody gets their, their time, even the shyest person. Right. Right. Uh, Also make sure you give credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's going to to stimulate the person to to be be more 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 active or more engaged. Yeah, uh, and you know, I think most people in in technology are relatively shy, mm-hmm. uh, and you know that's something you can continue to be shy, but you have to learn to communicate uh, uh, to the best of of your abilities. Um, Many people actually sometimes, you know, so I'm sending an email to so and so. Can you can you just make sure I'm being clear enough? So that sometimes happens. Yeah. Uh, and and I think o- over time you kind of figure out what works, what doesn't. Right. But, uh, I, I think you, you you need to make make a, a conscious effort to uh, in, improve your communication, the the way you speak. Uh, I think the way you give. Uh, your users or your the people in your meetings time to actually reflect about what you're saying right mm-hmm. um, i've had people who are extremely brilliant but they speak so fast that everybody loses them yes so so you know then then you're no good yeah right it doesn't matter how good you are at your job if you can't communicate with the team that's working with you that right so so that that takes a, a lot of harnessing. I, I would say there's a lot of courses on communication out there, mm-hmm. uh, or a lot of people or groups that can help you. Mm-hmm. Do you see, you know, in, in the industry and networking events or just talking to people? Do you see a lot of young people getting into DevOps? Is it um, a tricky industry to get the the new generation in via math or computers? Do they get onto it via STEM? processes how do we get more people into devops no no it's it's a it's a actually a, dif- a difficult industry to i think um nurture your talent because they don't want to stay it's too it's, it's too overwhelming right i would say and the hours are overwhelming as well right uh, and so is that you really yeah you really need to get someone who it is a it is tough and it's going to toughen up when when those situations come up right right well and in in situations your day-to-day just ebbs and flows so differently so you had the big transition from uh cloud on-prem to cloud you did the migration for kubernetes how did you get the leadership team on on board with the Kubernetes project. I know for some, the cloud, we everyone uses the cloud in their day-to-day, whether you have your, your iPhone, your Dropbox, whatever that means. Um, the day-to-day person uses cloud so we can wrap our head around that. Some people may not know where it is or where it lives, but we know the cloud. Kubernetes is a little harder to wrap your head around. How did you sell the leadership team on this that, that aren't in IT day-to-day? 
so uh, when I was promoted to to this the the the, the DevOps side, um, I think one of the first things I knew we had just gone public that our auditing was going to get a lot tougher, mm-hmm. and so I kind of had to prepare the ground for for the day when when that came right fully. Yeah. So well, first before- they ask you to do something, and then they give you some time to do something. Yeah. And then they come come on that time and say, "Hey, did you get this done?" And if you didn't, then you're in trouble, right? Right. Uh, so, so uh, I wanted to make sure we stayed ahead of the curve, and Kubernetes provides just an excellent framework for that because your processes are just very simplified. Mm-hmm. You can do one touch the deploys, for example. Right. Uh, right. Uh, right. So so. Um, the, the internal selling was still hard internally. You know, people were like, oh, you know that this system is is a, is, is a bread and butter. If it's down, you know, do you have a plan to, to turn back? I said, yeah, we absolutely do. You know, we have a playbook. We've done this like over 30 times. Mm-hmm. And I even made a joke. I mean, if this fails, then, you know, maybe I'm not in the right place. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I've done it a lot. Right. You know, so, yeah. And, um my team uh, exactly uh, again was just fantastic and they really understand understood each one of the pieces mm-hmm. and the pieces that they didn't understand they made sure they went to research uh, yeah uh, we always had a, a great guidance uh, uh from from microsoft internally they had a, like a customer success uh for, for cloud and they basically helped mentoring us on some specific things that we had kind of a blind spot because mm-hmm. um, it, it's you know there's like 800 different things to, to look at when right. you're, you're doing a, a Kubernetes migration so what are some of the things um, maybe someone who's listening who is thinking about making the jump into a Kubernetes migration what are some of the things that you learned or you would tell them yes definitely do it because of X I mean I, I'll say if you have the, the, the staff definitely do it and I'll say uh, you can do security better um, by by uh, by just configuring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do encryption a little easier just by just configuring. You can have private networks uh, um, where your system talks to your APIs to talk to your database just internally on your system, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, uh, there's so much you you can do, but. Uh, as we talked before, there are, there are some pitfalls on that. You got to keep an eye on your cost, mm-hmm. especially because development is really um, not aware of the cause and consequence. Like I spun ten different uh, environments to test something, and I left them there. And you know, at the end of the month, I'm paying like got an extra bill of like twenty thousand dollars what is this you know so this can this can happen and you it's up to you i think as as a leader uh to instill on your team some sense of responsibility because you're you're alone are not going to be able to look at every single thing Mm -hmm. and is this something that that prompts you on your captain kirk's monitoring station that you that you keep an eye on everything or is this something that is done more manually that's right we do monitor everything uh, the cost side is done more manually, to be honest. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some triggers we have, uh, but you can't keep an eye on. If you use like 20, 30, 40 different services uh, from third parties, you can keep an eye on everything at the same time, right? 
Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. There, there. there will be, I'm sure, APIs to get costs for everything, but uh, many of those service providers don't have it yet. Right, right. And you mentioned your audit. So Fathom Realty or Fathom Holdings went public in 2020. We all know that comes with mountains of paperwork. It, it's a very exciting time externally, but internally, there's a lot of work that needs to be done to get ready for the movement into um, the public sector. So what did that come with for you? I know everyone hears the word audit and we think like the dragon lady that's going to come and just, you know, make sure this is correct. How did that go for you? So I I'd done this before, sort of an ISO 9000 mm-hmm. thing, so I kind of knew to work ahead of time. Of course, not everything is is roses. It was still difficult to do, but uh, so so far we've been blessed that um, been been able to do well on the audits on mm-hmm. on, the, on the technology side. Um, and I'll see, you know. Preparation here is key. So you you asked me before, you know, things I learned from sports is that you train three months for for a competition, right? Right. So you have a the, the full day competition, like the martial arts, for example. You train three months nonstop for that competition. So it's one day competition for a person who's looking. I was like, you're already done, so, but you didn't f- figure out. You know, it's, we trained like every day for three months for hours uh, hours a day right. to, to get to to that situation so it's, it's the same thing that the the outcome is really a very tip of the iceberg the work is is the the part that's that's uh nobody's seeing right yeah well it's kind of there's a saying that's like you know the overnight celebrity or the overnight to the public it seems overnight but behind the curtain they've been working on this dream for years right Co- correct so same concept so what did the audit teach you guys um did it help streamline your processes going forward? Now, if an audit comes, do you do the chills on the back of your neck pop up, um, or are you just confident, ready, and you have your book ready to hand over? I know. I, th- I think uh, you know the, the audit uh, helped me think a little bit forward. There's maybe some things that they didn't ask. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, mm, why aren't we doing this? And what does it take to do that? And what's the benefit from us, right? So th- there's. A lot of things that you can tighten security is, you know, it's never perfect, but there's, mm-hmm. it's always improvable. And, and that, that, that's, that's where we are through the audit. Um, even though they don't consider maybe a vulnerability, maybe I said, eh, maybe that's, you know, that's going to be a problem going forward. Right. Um, and security, security is on the front of everyone's everyone's mind, especially um, there's been, been some big companies in the news that have been um, victims of security. Is there any best practices that you would suggest to people making it so complicated or um, that you use in your day-to-day without giving away too much? Uh, so, well, you know, security is like nobody's bulletproof, right? But yep. uh, you can try to at least stay ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's what I said. Somebody's trying to steal your car in the street and they see like four wheel bars and uh <laughs> chains on your pedals they're gonna jump to the next car and so th- that's what you need to try to do is you make it so annoying and cumbersome that people go away mm-hmm. uh, uh, right but but uh saying it's bulletproof uh, uh, uh something i had to explain here you know trying to account how can you justify an expense in in, in security so you really can't because uh, you're dealing with 
unknown unknowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you don't know who's attacking, how, and what's the what's the outcome of that's going to be. Is it a complete system meltdown? Are they going to freeze your database? Mm-hmm. Are they going to just drop your website? Uh, uh, pollute your D- DNS? So, you, it, so it, there's so much that can happen. Uh, you, you can't be bulletproof and you can't you know, it's very hard to justify to the business. Right. Uh, and the, the reason why is because it's unknown. unknown. Well, and it's, it's tough, especially when you have a, a business that has a good track record of not being attacked, right? Because you're already, you're putting all the, um, you're putting all the precautionaries in effect ahead of time. So when you are bringing up that additional expense to leadership and nothing's happened so far, it probably makes that conversation so much harder because um, nothing's happened. Exactly. So I think that's one of the toughest part part of of my job is to uh, do the security things I need to do uh, without causing any disruption and without people complaining about, oh, why is this cost? (laughs) Right. Uh, Right. So that's a difficult one to justify to a non-technical person. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I would say explaining a lot of your costs or reasons why or processes um, to a non-technical person is at least for me coming as a non-technical person, probably one of the more difficult, um, probably one of the more difficult conversations of your day and day, your day to day, because you can't just talk, you know, apples to apples with me. I need to know, like, what's the reality? You know what I mean? How is this going to affect my day to day if we don't do this? Exactly. So, so, so uh, I, when I think I first started this job, I kind of, um, Went o- overboard with with uh with things, especially backups and uh, recovery plans. But those are, those have been in place from you know month one that I, mm-hmm. that I took took over DevOps because I said you know what we have is okay, but I don't want okay. I I, I want to be able to say hey we, we got your business yeah we're here for you we thought about this we thought thought ahead of time. Uh, so we put things on on place that are obviously not talking about <laughs> that to, that 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 can mitigate uh, uh you know uh, for a rainy day yeah well and you guys have a lot on the line like we mentioned before you have agents that completely rely on the technology a hundred percent of their day to day is involved in the technology that you provide so uh the security and end up time are one and number two of importance, right? To, to maintain the houses being sold and closed, et cetera. So I have a question. You're new-ish to your role, not newer to uh, Fathom Realty, but what do the next one year or even two years look like for you? What are, what are What's hot on your must-do list? Uh, so we want to re-architect some of the, of the environments we have. Uh, I also take care of websites, uh, um, WordPress and a bunch of other th- things that we want you to, to streamline to make sure the processes are uh, a little bit easier on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, we do provide value for to, to everyone, but it, it's still very cumbersome to us. It take, mm-hmm. takes a lot of time uh, to, to figure things out. Uh, and then I think also bring, try to bring more value to the development team mm-hmm. uh, through, through feedback. Uh, there are things we can detect early on the code and uh, I think they're starting to learn how to, to use that feedback that uh, especially Kubernetes can give them uh, through logs and monitoring and things like that. Um, their code has a memory leak, for example, is 
going to to actually be very visible on the way we monitor things. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they've been excellent about uh, fixing these issues before going to production. Yeah. And going forward, we can't look into the future without saying 2020's hottest buzzword, which is AI. It seems in 2023, I've now opened up my note-taking app on my iPad and now has the ability to integrate AI. How does that integrate with you and your day-to-day? And do you think that AI is worth the hype that everyone's giving it this early in the game? So so I think definitely it's... uh inescapable that you're going to have to do it. Um, we do have some things that work with AI in the background uh, within our environments, mm-hmm. but uh, there are some other things that are pretty low hanging fruit, low in, in I'll t- I'll, I'd say uh, less problematic that we could provide as a service. And, um, you know, f- uh, I think I mentioned mentioned this before, like for, for an agent, it takes them a long time to write a property description because you have to fetch things from the neighborhood, look at schools, hospitals, and, you know, parks and things like that, that uh, inter- uh, artificial intelligence can do for you. So mm-hmm. uh, th- those are, are things that would be simpler. The, the more elaborate things, I think would still, still take time. Uh, I always tell people you know uh artificial intelligence is grabbing this information from the internet well there's a lot of erroneous information in the internet so Mm -hmm. it's going to (laughs) assume everything is right and um it's going to give you also bad information like i said garbage in garbage out (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think people are definitely learning how to to leverage ai but um, at least for me, when it first came out, I was like, oh, my God, and first came out, meaning uh, chat GPT just at this level. Right. And be like, oh, my gosh, you know, this can literally do everything. And then there's a moment of fear where like, oh, my gosh, this can do everything. And you're starting to think of different jobs or positions or skills that may be lost because of this. And maybe not in the generation like like us. Right. But in a younger generation where information is just available at their fingertips. Do you think people should start get start getting rid of their writing skills? Should stop getting get rid of their no, marketing skills not. and lean into chat GBT? No, absolutely not. I mean, you, you can use it as a tool. Don't use it as a crutch. Yeah. No, so th- don't don't give it as an excuse for not improving yourself. Right. Your your own knowledge. Right. Because you, you never know the day of tomorrow, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so you don't don't give up on your skills yet. Uh, make sure you 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 learn. You continue learning in different fields of your area and improving yourself. Because uh, you know AI is not your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> They can read you a story like your mom and dad, but they're not going to replace mom and dad. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, I have some um, rapid fire questions that I just wanted to, these can be short answer, long answer, but if you're game to go through our rapid fire questions, I'd love to dive into those. Awesome. So how old were you when you first started working with computers? I was 16. And what drew you to them? Uh, so you know, I was I was very interested. I was a brother. I had a brother who who was into computers. So um, I, 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 we bought a computer. When I was pretty young and uh, stayed in my room. So you know, I learned to hook hook up to printers and 
to use a floppy disks and, <laughs> and to, to load and then to put an extended memory and the memory was almost as big as the computer heat <laughs> incredibly so i had to actually put a fan behind it uh you know the, that was my intro but by the time i got to college i already knew how to use a, a, a word processor and a spreadsheet so uh, that opened a lot of doors for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got an internship uh, off the interview to start right now because of that. One time. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So when was, how old were you when you broke your first computer? Um, what are you talking about? I never yeah. break anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to fix stuff. <laughs> yeah. How, okay. How long before you had to fix your first computer? Um. Well, I, think I, I, I added memory because the the soft software we had was just too big for the the current memory. So it was probably nineteen or eighteen. Okay, we had a few yeah. good years with that computer before it had to be touched up. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, it had to keep cleaning, keep cleaning the fro- floppy drives because it wouldn't <laughs> read the the floppy disk. They was, oh they my could, gosh! They would make a big huge noise trying to turn the thing, and they wouldn't couldn't load the the software. So yeah, you that's just, just dust. You just took me back to a memory of floppy disks when I I installed a game on my grandma's computer and it took four or five floppy disks. And I remember like insert next disk and you'd pop it out and put another one in another just to download a game, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I I, I remember having like more than 10 installing a game before. Yeah. Well, I think there was something on the internet that said, um, you know, some younger kid pointed out a floppy disk and was like, oh, the save icon. You have a, a little thing of the save icon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, no, nobody knew what, uh, if, if it wasn't for, for the old movies, people wouldn't know what a dial telephone is either. So, Or I know this is a podcast, so people can't see this, but there's also something that has kids say, you know, what is it like? Show me how you answer the phone. And like you and I will probably do the thumb and the pinky out, like, you know, yeah. get the phone where kids now just have a flat hand and they just put their hand out because that's the phones they know. Yeah, exactly. It's, so, yeah, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. The whole thing about the, the cassette tape, you know, kids, to be, nobody knew what the cassette tape was. It's crazy. Yep. They said, how do you play this? And they started like twisting it. They don't know how to, to play it. But speaking of um, old technology, if you will, you mentioned uh, always keep learning and um, really just keep up on your skills. Are there any books that you swear by that have really kind of like changed the way you think or just things that maybe you read through every year or two just to, to refresh? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say so. So, um um, I think the Art of War. Of, it's a been a, a go-to book for me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I believe I read it because of sports, to be honest. But yeah. but it, it translates to so many different things in life in different periods of my life. I think m- made sense one way or another. Mm-hmm. But that's one. Um, more recently, uh, I read Atomic Habits and uh, trying to uh, implement some of that in in my life. Um, mm-hmm. To make sure my day, my day is a little bit more calm than the chaos that that this industry uh, puts us in, right? <laughs> um, and a third book that always comes to mind to me is called P- "Pulling Your Own Strings." It's by Wayne Dyer. Uh, it's an old book, uh, but it, it it always helps to reel me into the things uh, that are important to me. Uh, 
uh, as a person because here at the end of the day our, our time here is a uh, is finite so uh, i want to do the best i can yeah uh, for myself and for other people as well awesome so those are great books and i always love to get the recommendations just to what are people reading these days um so you were a professional soccer if you were a professional soccer player we're bringing this out again what would you be your walk-up song? What's your hype song? If you have to do a big presentation to leadership, or is it sometimes where I find myself in my car listening to some, you know, hype me up music, what's your song? Uh, that, that's sort of funny because uh, I one time told someone, you know, um, for practice, I would like to uh, to listen to Heroes from David Bowie. Okay. And, and for games, I want to definitely li- listen to Queen. We are the champions. <laughs> <laughs> Because after a game, I don't want to be, we could be heroes. <laughs> no, no, you are the champion. That's, yeah. It's so funny because everyone always has like their song or something. That when you hear it, you're like, ah. and in my, in my previous life, when I had to do big presentations to clients, same thing. I would have just uh, Rick Ross hustling in my uh, car. And I'm just like, yeah, I am the boss. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Your first podcast um, with me, my first podcast, just in general, who, if you had your own podcast, who would be your next podcast guest? Oh, you're going to put me in bad trouble here, but uh, um, uh, <laughs> th- there's, th- there's a person that I, I talk to a lot about uh, DevOps. His name is Jason Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from a company called Steel Patriot. Uh, they, they do provide uh, a lot of DevOps serv- and SecOps services. So uh, very interesting, great experience. Also has a knowledge uh, knowledge on a lot of different industries. Uh, and I would say he would be. Uh, he would be your next guest. To talk to yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're near the end. I don't have many questions left, but I want to give you the space that um, if you have anything that the audience can help you with, if you wanted to address them directly, now is your time. And if you don't have anything, just where or how can people get a hold of you? So uh, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can uh, just search for me, David Almeida uh, and Fathom, uh, F-A-T-H-O-M. And uh, I'm the VP of DevOps and VI for, for Fathom. So uh, just just look me out, uh, up and uh, just chat, chat with me over there. Perfect. And we'll um, also have your account tagged in when we post this episode on our LinkedIn as well. So it'll be easy to kind of tie to. And is there anything that our audience can help you out with? So uh, what I would say is keep up the good work. And then the, the DevOps community is excellent. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of good information out there. Um, uh, I've actually watched some uh, some very good uh, YouTube podcasts uh, on on DevOps. Uh, listened to a couple uh, podcasts also on SecOps, and it's a uh, very very interesting to see what other people's experiences are, because you can learn so much about your own. Sweet, sweet. Well. Everyone stay connected. Be good. This was my first podcast. So hopefully um, we kept you guys entertained. And until the next one, thank you for chatting. Thank you, Dallary. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to represent my company and my team. Vinicius, this one's for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the All Things Ops podcast. If you like this episode, leave us a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. 
This podcast has been brought to you by CheckMK. For more resources, head over to checkmk.com slash podcast. If you want to send us feedback or suggest a guest, please drop us an email at podcast at checkmk.com. Until next time, happy monitoring.